You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good to see you all this morning. Can I say to you, just at the outset of today, well done for getting here. Because over the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty squished, hasn't it? And the temptation is to think, oh, I'm not going to be missed this morning. It's quite hot in there. I'm going to sweat for two hours. No, listen, it's so good that you're here. God's got good things for you this morning. He's already blessed us so much, hasn't he, this morning with such powerful truths. And uh, well done for making it today. And we're going to be back to two services in September. Fear not. I had an email this morning from H&M for somehow I've got, somehow I've got on their mailing list and they said, autumn is nearly here. That's quite a depressing thought, isn't it? Thanks, H&M. But that does mean we're going to be back to two services from September, and uh, it means we're going to be less squished, and there's going to be more room for others to, to come and worship with us. But thank you for coming. It's good to see you this morning. My name's Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. And before I share from today's uh, passage, which will be Jonah chapter 3, I just want to highlight a couple of things to you. Firstly, if you're a member of Hope Church, if you've been on our Getting Connected course, uh, or perhaps you've been on our most recent one and we've yet to, to welcome you formally into membership, I want to invite you to a vision evening that we have about the Hope Center, which is on the 11th of September at 7.45. It's going to be here. It's not sadly safe enough for us to have it at our new building, but we'd love for every one of you to come here on the 11th of September to hear about the progress that we're making over there, but also to see some pictures as well and to hear about how much it's cost so far and how much we anticipate the works that we want to do will cost in the coming months. So please do uh, make it a priority to come on that evening. We're going to pray together that evening as well. So important we lay this before God in prayer. And at the end of September, we're going to be giving again into the next of our journey offerings. On September the 29th, during both services, we're going to be giving again. And this is a big one for us. Um, We're going to be writing to the church in the coming days with what we're hoping to raise in that uh, offering. But uh, we really do need to you to be praying now, and also to be thinking about how much you can give. That's not uh, just for church members. Anyone is welcome to give. Uh, we really, uh, we're really praying and hoping that many people from way beyond this church will give into it as well, um, and as we seek God for his amazing provision, as he's already shown us over these uh, recent years. Okay, so we're going to be um, today in Jonah chapter 3. We've been working through Jonah over these last couple of weeks. It's a small book in the Old Testament. It's actually very near the New Testament. And uh, we've, we've seen how Jonah, um, God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, get up. I want you to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, which was like a terrorist state. This was, a, was an evil country that was committing atrocities right around uh, that area of the world. And God says to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh and share with them the message that I'm going to give you. And Jonah goes in completely the opposite direction. He gets on a boat to Tarshish. And whilst he's on this boat, God hurls a great storm at the boat. And there's a great commotion on the boat because they're thinking, we're going to die. All of the sailors are working, trying to work out why on earth has this come upon us. And they work out eventually that it's because Jonah is on the boat. Jonah admits that he's on the run from God. And uh, so he says to the sailors, right, throw me overboard. And that's the way you're going to be saved. That's the way this storm is going to stop. And so they throw Jonah overboard, the storm stops, and Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. And last week we heard from Nick, who was uh, basically just sharing Jonah's prayer. Chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer in the the belly of this big fish, calling out to God and realizing that God is a God of grace. And at the end of that chapter, this big fish, God causes this big fish to, to vomit Jonah up. 
and Jonah makes it to dry land. And that's where we're picking up the story today in chapter 3. So the verses will come up on the screens around the room as well. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Shall we pray? Father, we just ask you very simply that you will speak to us profoundly through your word today. Come and change our hearts, change our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So we hear Jonah being commissioned for the second time. I'm calling this message the commission, the city, and the call. Jonah's commissioned for a second time to go to Nineveh. He gets a second chance. God is in, in the business of commissioning people. He has a mission. He's always had a mission. And it's been his mission to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. I haven't seen any seas that are not covered with water. God wants the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of him, of his glorious majesty that we've sung about this morning, of his amazing grace that we've sung about this morning. God's on a mission to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory. He's always been on this mission. The mission hasn't changed. And he comes to Jonah and he commissions him again. And you could be forgiven for thinking that you're reading chapter 1 all over again because it's exactly the same mission that he gets. Get up, go to Nineveh, and give them the message that I am going to give to you. He commissions Jonah again. Jonah realizes that God is a God of second chances. That he is messed up in the biggest way possible. He is he's not just disobeyed God. He's gone in completely the opposite direction. He's not just sort of said, I don't really want to do your mission, God. I, he's gone in completely the opposite way. He's messed up. And he's found that God has not only spared him and spared his life, but actually he's recommissioning him. He's sending him again on mission. God is a, is a God who, who doesn't want us to sit on the sidelines when he saves us. He wants us to join in with his mission to the whole world. On his mission to, to show people something of his glory. Show people something of his glorious grace. He is a commissioning God. He sends people on mission. And he comes to Jonah and he sends him again on mission. What must Jonah have felt like when he heard this? 
You know, it was one thing to be spared, wasn't it? It was one thing to, to have not been destroyed by God. A whole other thing to say, Jonah, I'm trusting you again with this mission. I imagine Jonah would have been walking around in a daze as he made his plans to travel to Nineveh. I can't believe that God would not only spare me, but that he would send me again, that he would trust me again. He would be stumbling around thinking, what? This is too good to be true. Listen, God's grace is too good to be true, but it's true. It really is. If you've never thought to yourself, hang on a minute, this message of grace, of God's unmerited favor, if you've never thought to yourself, this is too good to be true, I don't know if you've grasped it, because it is amazing that God would not treat us as our sins deserve, but would lavish upon us so many good things that we do not deserve, that he would call us sons and daughters of God. Jonah's walking around, he's, he's blinded by God's grace. He's, he's thinking, I can't believe this is true. I imagine he, he felt a bit like the apostle Peter felt when he was, he was the one of all of Jesus' disciples who was the one who always spoke up. He was the courageous one. That was his identity. I'm the one who's going to bring out the sword when Jesus comes to get arrested. He was the one who said, Jesus, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to deny you. I'm always going to be, I've always got your back, Jesus. And then when Jesus is arrested and there's a, just a phony trial going on, Peter's cowering in the courtyard watching it all going on and a little girl comes to him and says, I think you know Jesus, don't you? You're one of his disciples. You're, you're one of his friends. And he says, no, no, I've never even heard of the guy. I've never even, I don't even know who you're talking about. And he starts swearing her. No, I don't bleeping know this guy. This is what Peter did. And can you imagine the shame as he saw his, his savior being, his friend being whipped and beaten and sent to the cross. And he thought, I didn't, I, I abandoned him. I denied him in, in his hour of great need. Imagine the shame he would have felt. And then he catches wind that Jesus has risen from the dead. And some days later, Jesus goes looking for him. And Jesus is walking along the beach looking for Peter. And Peter's back on the boat. He's thinking, I've blown it. I've completely blown it. All that Jesus had previously said to me about me being a rock, all that he had said to me about me being a leader, I've blown it now. I've got, no, I've got no way back. So he's going back to fishing. It's what he knows. He wasn't even a very good fisherman. So going back to what he, he knows. And Jesus seeks him out. And Peter realizes, wow, my friend Jesus, he's gracious. He's full of grace. He's abounding in grace. And he, he sees Jesus. There's something in, in seeing Jesus in Jesus' eyes. And he just, he, gets, he just dives in the water and swims to shore. I've got to be with Jesus. He sees Jesus is full of irresistible, beautiful love and grace. And Jesus cooks him breakfast. And he doesn't just say to Peter, listen, Peter, we're good now. I forgive you. No, he says, Peter, I'm sending you. Peter, I'm sending you. Go and feed my sheep. Peter, I've got a mission for you. you, haven't, you I've not finished with you. Some of you, you, you feel like you've done things and because of the things that you've done or said or thought or looked at, you think, I am, God is done with me. Maybe he had plans for me once, but he's done with me now as far as I'm concerned. He could, there's no way he could possibly use me. There's no way he could possibly commission me. Listen, Look at the story of Jonah. 
Look at the story of Peter. God is a God of grace and he's a God on a mission and he wants to catch us up in his mission to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory. He's on a mission. He's a commissioning, sending God. I believe this morning that there's actually going to be something of a fresh commissioning for some people. As we respond in a few uh, minutes' time, as we stand, I'm going to call people to stand, actually, as we, as we finish. If you know God's giving you a fresh sending today, a fresh commissioning with fresh zeal, it doesn't matter if you're not very impressed with yourself. I don't think Jonah was very impressed with himself as he kind of made his way to Nineveh. He couldn't have been impressed with himself. He had blown it in the biggest way possible and God had spared him and God had shown him grace. There was no way that Jonah could have been impressed with himself. God loves to use people who are not very impressed with themselves. In fact, he delights to use people who are not very impressed with themselves. He loves to use people like Moses who had a stammer and he says to Moses, you're going to be the one who leads my people out of slavery. And Moses goes, I can't do that. I can't even speak properly. That's, that's Moses, one of the greatest heroes of the Old Testament. He can't even speak properly. He's not impressed with himself. God loves to use people who are not impressed with themselves. He loves to use those who say, I haven't really got what it takes. Because God then knows that we'll be dependent fully on him, wholly on him. I love the scene at the end of the movie Prince Caspian. I guess it's in the book as well. I haven't got the patience to read the book. Two hours is good enough for me. <laughs> and at the, end of the, at the end of the movie, Aslan, who's like the Jesus figure in the story, he, he says to Caspian, arise, King Caspian. You're going to rule now. You're going to be a ruler. And Caspian says, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'm ready. And Aslan says, it's because you say that that I know you are. Because he knows that, that Caspian's going to be dependent on him. That Caspian's going to have to call out to him. God loves to use people who say, I haven't got what it takes. But who are depending on him. And he's sending us, friends. He's sending us to every area of our lives. He's sending us to our, our workplaces, our places of education. He's sending us to all of the contexts of our lives to be ready to share. I heard a really encouraging story from Paul Cherry this week, who's been running, getting fit, and he's very fit now, this guy, and shares the gospel with his friend who goes on an alpha course, just from a, run, a conversation over running and gets saved. Isn't that amazing? God is, is using ordinary men and women in this church in amazing ways to call people to see God's glory and his grace. He's sending us afresh today. He's commissioning us. He's commissioning us to go because he loves, he loves this town. He loves the city of Nineveh. I don't know if you saw this in, in verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Now look to your footnotes. A great city to God. This was an exceedingly great city in the eyes of God. This was a city that was full of unspeakable evil, unspeakable evil, like things that were going on there that were just horrendous. And yet, in God's sight, this was a great city. He had eyes for that city. He wanted to see that city turned around. He had compassion upon that city. And he wants for us to have 
compassion for our town and our places where we live and our villages. And we can grieve the things that we see in our town. We can grieve the wrongdoing and the, 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 the wrong kind of placement of faith in, in, in idols of, 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 of approval, idols of materialism, idols of, of kind of fleeting physical pleasures. We can grieve those things, but we're to have the heart and mind of God for our town. He loves Ipswich. He loves Ipswich. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, which was a messy city. It's like Vegas today. And he's saying, is it, is it not my... He says, I won't even read this properly to us. Is it our business, he says, to judge those who are outside of the church? Is it our business to judge those outside of the church? No, is the answer. No is the answer to that rhetorical question. That we're actually, actually to, we're to, in some ways, bring judgment within the church. What does that look like? It looks in love, calling people out from stuff that they're kind of getting messed up in. It looks like in love saying, hey, I believe God's got much better for you. Let me encourage you to turn from that in a place of humility of saying, I haven't got it all together myself. That's what it looks like within the church. But we don't have any place to judge our town. We have no place to say, you know, we are better than those people. As if we had it all together before we came to know Jesus. As if we have it all together, now we do know him. We have no place to judge our town. God's the judge and he will judge all of creation. Our, our place is to get his heart for the town, his eyes for the town, to see, it, to see it as what it could be. One theologian whose name I forget uses the, uh, the phrase, have prophetic imagination for your town. What could it be like if there was a huge move of God in our town? What could this town be like if 5, 10, 15,000 people came to know him? What could it be like to see it through God's eyes, to have his heart? I wonder if today you might, if you might ask God to say, God, I want to have your heart. I want to have your eyes for the city. I want to have your heart. I want to grasp your compassion. Have you prayed that? Have you prayed that? For some of you, you might look upon our world, our town, our culture with disdain and think, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that. Jesus hated that kind of religion. He really did. He hated that kind of religion where the Pharisees would say, I'm, I was, I'm so glad I'm not born like that person. I'm so glad I'm not like that person. That actually we'd have the heart of God for our town. That whilst there is great evil going on, whilst there is idolatry, whilst there is placing faith in things that ultimately do not satisfy, that God loves this town. And I would love for us to get his heart for the town more and more and more. That we would pray for it, that we would call out to God for it, that we wouldn't stand in judgment over others. Some of us, we might use names to describe groups of people. You know exactly what I'm talking about people of different classes or of different uh, cultures or backgrounds. That's not in God's heart. Some of us might even look upon those who are more materially wealthy and have disdain for those. It's kind of like a reverse 
snobbery almost. That's not God's heart. He loves this town and he, he would have us love this town like he loves this town. Say to him, I want to have your heart for the city. Like you had a heart for Nineveh, a great city unto him, a great city in his eyes, despite all of the mess. That we'd have his heart, not judgment over the, the town, but actually prophetic imagination saying, what if, what if God was to move in great power here? I was speaking to a lady this week whose job it is to, uh, in, the, in the coming years to see a thousand people attend Alpha in Ipswich. I thought, wow, I love that. I love that. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if churches right across this town had Alpha courses that were absolutely rammed full? I'm looking forward to another Alpha in January, and we're praying, God, would we, would we see this Alpha course jam-packed full of people? What could happen if God moved in this town? See it as he sees it. He sees it with eyes of compassion, with a heart of compassion. So we've seen the commission, the city, and now the call. Jonah has to call out to this city. It's a very brief sermon. This is the sermon. You ready for it? Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. If they had a late problem in their city, maybe a lot of people would have missed that sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It's a very brief sermon. I think we get a summary there of what's going on. Maybe Jonah shared something of his own testimony of God's grace. Maybe he shared something of his own experience of God's patience and of God's uh, amazing mercy to him, a sinner. The Apostle Paul did that. He would go from place to place and share the following story. I was a zealous religious terrorist. That was basically the Apostle Paul's testimony. I hounded down Christians and I had them thrown in prison and killed. I'm a murderer. He says, I am the chief of all sinners. And yet Jesus saved me. That was his testimony as he went from city to city. Even me, he would save even me. I wonder if Jonah shared something of that when he went around. Even me, God's had patience towards. You need to know this God. You need to turn from what you're doing. You need to know him. 40 days, this city's going to be overthrown. And we see an amazing heart change in these people. Yes, it looks like a load of outward appearance. It looks like loads of kind of sackcloth and ashes, which we wouldn't necessarily do in this culture. But there's a heart change here that leads to outer change. It's not, a, it's not the other way around. God's not impressed with stuff if it's not leading from heart change. He's not impressed with, with sackcloth and ashes and people you know, saying, oh, I'm so bad, I'm such a miserable sinner. No, he, he wants to see heart change. And what's happened here in the people of Nineveh is that their hearts have been grabbed by this God. And now what, what's flowing out is outward, is outward action. Saying, I, I need to get right before him. So Jonah's gone to the city, and, and his message is actually quite embarrassing. I was at a rugby match last week, and there was a guy standing outside of the, the stadium with a megaphone, basically saying, you must repent, Jesus is coming back, you must repent, and it was kind of like a monotone kind of thing, and I thought, mate, there's other ways of doing this. But then I checked myself, I thought, no, actually, he's being obedient to God. It's not the way I would do it. 
We might think this message is embarrassing sometimes. We might think we need to apologize for God sometimes. Listen, we don't need to apologize for God. We don't need to think he's some sort of embarrassing uncle. Sorry about him. <laughs> Sorry about what he's saying here. No, this, 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 this message is, is powerful. Amen. The message of the gospel is powerful, and yet it's foolishness. Amen. Because it's about a man who went to the cross and died. And that doesn't seem very impressive in the world's eyes. That's not a very impressive saviour figure. A man apparently de defeated on a, on a piece of wood, naked. It's foolishness, and yet it's powerful. Now, I, I'm all up for, for changing the presentation. You know, in the years to come, I expect in 10 years' time that our church services may look even very different to the way they do today. Some of you, you're already holding on, thinking, my, my style, my preference left 15 years ago, and I'm still holding on because I want to build with this church. Some of you are thinking that already, and you're thinking, what's it going to be in 10 years' time? What are they going to be doing? And I'll be that in 10 years' time, thinking, what are they doing? I'm all up for changing the presentation. I'm not precious about that. We want to do all we can to, to, to present things in a way that people understand and get. But the message never changes. The message that Jesus, who is the Son of God, eternally God, stepped down. He, he like, unlike Jonah, he, at the first time of asking, he went down to a foreign place. He came down to this stinking of sin earth, and he got his hands dirty. That he walked in our shoes, that he perfectly honored his father, that he perfectly honored his fellow man, and that he was arrested, he was unjustly trialed, that he was put on a cross, nails through his hands, nails through his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, that he died a brutal death, which the Bible says was no accident, that it was part of God's plan for the salvation of many, that he was on the cross and he said it is finished, that the work on the cross was enough for our sins to be forgiven, for our shame to be sent packing. He is the one who says it is finished on the cross. And after two nights in the grave, after two nights where to all around it, they thought this was a, such a tragedy, he burst forth to life on the third day, that he rose again victorious, that he spoke to his friends about the kingdom of God, that he was going to come back, that he was going to come back for them and make all things new, that he would reign forever. This message never changes. The call is to say, in light of that news, you need to turn away from what you know to be wrong and trust Jesus because he's much more trustworthy than anything else that you can trust in your whole existence. That's the message. That's the call that we give, that we humbly give. We don't say, listen, I was a good person <laughs> and now I've added Jesus into my life and he makes it a little bit better. No, it's, I was a terrible person. I went after all kinds of other things. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has rescued me. He's the king of my life now. I give my life to him wholly. The message never changes. The message never changes, friends. We don't need to be embarrassed by the message. It's churches that, that change the message that will die. And I don't say that with any joy. I say that with sorrow. It's churches that feel they need to somehow water it down and say, well, it's just about Jesus just came and preached peace and love. And, that, you know, he doesn't require any kind of self-denial. 
It doesn't require any kind of, any kind of a, uh, making him our Lord. No, he just came and preached peace and love. No, it's those churches that will die because they present nothing different to the world. And it's churches that hold up the, the age-old gospel of Jesus. It's churches that hold up the message that is power unto salvation for those who believe. It's those churches that will see many, many, many saved. And we're believing that many, many churches in this town will see many, many people saved. We're praying for that, that God's going to do it. We don't need to apologize for him or apologize for this message. There is power in the gospel. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the one who is the greater Jonah. There's power in the one who came not to condemn the world. We see in John 3, 17. Let me read this to you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So unlike Jonah, who's had to come and preach a message of condemnation, to say, you're gonna, in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. Be overthrown. Jesus came, the greater Jonah came, not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He's the greater Jonah. He's the one who came. He came to a great city. He came to Jerusalem, and they welcomed him as king. They bowed down before him. They made a red carpet for him, effectively. They welcomed him. They shouted out, he's the one who saves comes in triumphant, triumphant, and a few days later, many of those same people are caught up in the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus then goes outside of the city. And outside of the city, he's killed on the cross. Jesus did it for you. This was no accident. I want to give you a moment to respond to this Jesus. I want to invite you in just a moment. This is going to be probably the bravest thing you've ever done. But if you today, for the first time, want to say, I give my life to this Jesus. I hand over my mess, my rebellion, all my shameful thoughts and deeds. I hand them over to him and I'm saying, Jesus, I trust you that you've got forgiveness for me. Jesus, I trust you that you are a worthy king. If you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I pray it, I want to encourage you to pray it in your hearts with me. And if you've prayed that for the first time, I'm going to ask you to stand. I know that that's not very comfortable in a room with maybe 250, 300 people. But I'm going to be asking others to stand in just a moment also. But I believe this is a moment where Jonah had to go and do something that was quite scary for him. And to stand in a moment doesn't earn you any kind of favor with God, but you, you, I want you to know that this is, this is a life in which is going to call you to courage. And it starts with, with this, I believe, today. That to stand and say, I identify with Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. Hundreds of people around this room are going to be praying for you, that you, you, you respond right now. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for those who already are Christians, who already have made this step, and I'm going to ask you to stand for some particular things. Let me just pray right now. Pray this with me if you want to respond to Jesus for the first time today. Jesus, I recognize 
that I have disobeyed your ways. I recognize, like it did for Jonah, that it leads to misery. And today I see the greater Jonah, Jesus. I see the one who came from heaven to earth to make a way for me. I see him on the cross, dying in my place. And today I want to say, I want to give my shame to you and receive total forgiveness. I want to receive total forgiveness. I live for you now. I am yours now. I receive your love. I receive your Holy Spirit to help me now. Amen. Okay. If you responded in any, with me in that prayer, if you pray that with me for the first time, I'm just going to ask you to stand briefly where you are. Wonderful. Is there anyone else who just knows, I'm, I want to respond to this Jesus today? It takes courage. It takes some courage to say, I'm, I'm living for Jesus now. I'm not living for my friend's approval. I'm not living that others will speak well of me. I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to trust him with the rest of my life. You want to just stand right now where you are, if that's you today. You just want to make that step. And I want to encourage you, if you're here already and you say, I'm, I know I'm a Christian already. I've been living for Jesus for many years. just know there's a fresh sending today, a fresh sending with fresh zeal to the places where God sends me. Maybe you've been on the run a little bit. I want to just ask you to stand right now. If you just know God's giving you a prompt right now, a fresh sending, just stand where you are. Wonderful. Great. I'd love to pray for you. Keep going. If there's anyone else, maybe some of you just know had a heart that stinks sometimes it's a heart of disdain and judgment for others maybe that's just God's been speaking to you about that I want it to change I want to have God's heart let me pray for you right now Father God I want to ask you for my friends here who are standing just knowing this fresh commission this fresh sending I do pray Lord God that you would just fill them now with your spirit as we sing even would they encounter you in a profound way? Would they encounter you in a deep way that you would pour upon them your love, pour upon them your courage? Lord God, I pray that they would have stories to tell in the days to come of very simply sharing Jesus with others, sharing their, sto their own stories. Lord God, I pray for hearts right around this room. Lord, we'd grasp your heart. We'd have your eyes for this town. Your eyes for this nation. Your eyes, Lord. We, we don't want to stand over this nation in judgment and say we're somehow better. Lord, we know we were sinners and now we're saved. We were sinners and now we're saints in your eyes. We're children of God. 
You've done the work, Lord. We couldn't do it. Change our hearts. Make us more like Jesus. Give us his compassion. We are seeking first your kingdom, Lord. We want to see your kingdom growing and advancing in Ipswich, in Suffolk, in Essex, in the nation, in the nations of the world. We pray that right now you would again, we pray it all the time, Lord, but would you stir people? Stir people to your kingdom's purposes, even beyond this town. Stir people, stir hearts, Lord. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.